This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It is going to be covered by the Saints for a touchdown. Each your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll from 60 to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist turn and touchdown of the Saints season that is going to be a touchdown Taysom Hill Taysom TD welcome to Inside Black and Gold and that is going to be a touchdown again and guess who Mike Thomas now here are your hosts Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak oh baby and welcome into another episode of Inside Black and Gold. My name is Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. I am flying solo today because I am out in Mobile for the Senior Bowl, as I mentioned on our last episode. Steve Geller is back in Louisiana. I am out here. I just, I don't know what I would say, parked the car. I didn't touch down because I didn't fly. I drove out here. It's, it's about a two-hour drive from New Orleans, but it's worth making the trip, as we talked a lot about in the last episode. The Saints love to draft players from the Senior Bowl. If you go back to 2000, they have drafted at least one player from the Senior Bowl in 21 of those draft classes. In 16 of them, they have drafted two or more. So of these 125 players who were out here, there is a very, very good chance that the Saints will draft at least one of them. And so in the second segment, we're going to go through the three players that I'm looking at most closely and a few others who I'm going to keep a loose eye on because I went through and I identified them this morning. And it's largely based on the assistants that the Saints have who are directly involved in the coaching. We're also going to go through the latest with Ryan Nielsen leaving and what that means for the Saints going forward. But first, I do have to go back. If you listened to the last episode, you probably remember me going on this pretty long rant about a one-star review that we got. (laughs) I was interested to see how the reaction to that would be because I kind of half expected three or four or five more one-star reviews to come out of that because of me being a whiny baby. But wouldn't you know it, I looked this morning and we have three new reviews, all five stars. So first off, 
I would like to thank whoever it was that left those reviews. I appreciate it. I will always take five-star reviews. I would also love some some written feedback if you have any, but I'm not going to complain when I get a five-star review. But I do need to warn you, all you have done is encourage me to go on more principled rants about my perceived slights. So I just do need to warn you, if you're going to continue to give me five stars every time I go off on a long, long, whiny rant, man, are you in store for some trouble. But no, in all seriousness, thanks everyone who listens. Thanks everyone who leaves a review because I can talk for hours and hours and hours and hours, but nothing helps me more than hearing from people who actually listen and, and have opinions because that's how you get better at things, right? So again, thanks everyone who listens and let's continue to go forward. So the latest news in the Saints offseason, obviously, beside Sean Payton interviewing with the Cardinals, Ryan Nielsen has been hired by the Atlanta Falcons to be their new defensive coordinator. Now, Ryan Nielsen was never the Saints defensive coordinator. He was the Saints co-defensive coordinator. Ryan Nielsen coached the defensive line. Chris Richard coached the secondary. And neither of Chris Richard or Ryan Nielsen called the plays. That was Dennis Allen. It was this weird conglomerate of coaches. And I really didn't wasn't a fan of it. I would have preferred to have a more stable, more direct structure. I would have preferred to see Ryan Nielsen call the defensive plays. But whatever, the defense did pick it up the second half of the season. They played really well. So complaining about that feels a bit off target for what this team needs to be focusing on. But either way, I do think that going into the 2022 season, when you decided you were not going to make Ryan Nielsen the defensive coordinator and just leave Chris Richard as the secondary coach, you in effect guaranteed that Ryan Nielsen was going to be out of town this year. You did. You just did. You knew he was ready to go, right? Go back to 2021. He accepted the defensive coordinator job with LSU. He got talked out of it. He got given, I'm sure, a raise. We don't get the assistant coach salaries, but I would bet he got a pretty significant raise along with the assistant head coach title going into that season, and that kept him in town. And I think he dodged a bullet when you look at how Ed Ogeron's tenure at LSU ended and what happened to all of his assistants, right? Uh, he probably would have ended up back on the Saints working for Chris Richard, who probably would have been the defensive coordinator had Ryan left. So, you know, I think when you go back to it, Sean did him a favor by uh, kind of blocking that move, if you will. But when you made that decision to make him and Chris co-defensive coordinators, you kind of sealed the deal that this offseason he was going to move on if he was offered a primary defensive coordinator role on an offensive head coach's staff, right? We talked about this a few weeks back. Anytime you're a defensive coordinator on a defensive head coach's staff, you're going to be hit in the same way you have an offensive coordinator on an offensive head coach's staff, you're going to be hidden. You're not going to have the options available to you as a Dennis Allen coaching alongside Sean Payton would. Dennis Allen was in position to become a head coach because he was, and I say this a lot, and I really do believe this, when you are in that position, when you have an offensive head coach, the defensive coordinator is effectively the defensive head coach. Right now, some head coaches kind of, touch base on both sides of the, 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 the equation. But at the end of the day, that's your show. You're going to get the criticism when it's bad. You are going to get the praise when it's good. 
and you are going to put yourself in position to potentially be elevated into being a head coach. And so that's why when you see Ryan Nielsen interviewing with Atlanta under Arthur Smith, an offensive guy, interviewing with the Vikings under Kevin O'Connell, an offensive guy, the writing's on the wall there. Because even coming back, even if they offered Ryan Nielsen the full-time off defensive coordinator role, he's not going to be calling the plays. Dennis Allen is not going to cede play calling to Ryan Nielsen, so you are still going to be hidden. So that, even if the Saints had offered, would have been a step up from what he would have been. So you basically guaranteed it. If he was given the defensive coordinator role, I I imagine he would have stayed. I don't know for sure if the Saints could have technically blocked it because I do think that becoming a play caller, elite play caller on defense would still be a step up, even if he was the full-time defensive coordinator, but it gets a little murky. There's gray area. But now this is where you stand. Now you have one half of a co-defensive coordinator and you have no defensive line coach if you're the Saints. But before you answer any other questions, you have to figure out whether Chris Richard is your new defensive coordinator. Are you going to elevate him, first of all, which I have to imagine they'd like to, and is he going to stick around is honestly the bigger question. Now, the Dolphins had requested to interview Chris Richard. I don't know if that actually happened. That's the problem is you don't really get reports on when these interviews have. They have to request it and then it gets allowed and blah, blah, blah. The Saints couldn't block it. So I have to imagine it did happen. But the Dolphins hired Vic Fangio as their head coach. That was announced this week. So to me, that is very good news for the Saints because – it would not have shocked me at all if the Saints offer Chris Richard the job as a defensive coordinator under Dennis Allen, but he bypassed that to take the Dolphins' defensive coordinator job because, again, Mike McDaniel, offensive head coach, he will be the rock star of that defense. It's not going to happen. And the other team that had requested to interview Richard was the Panthers, who did so shortly after requesting to interview Sean Payton, right? So... I kind of think those two things were related. Like if they decided to go the Sean Payton route, Richard might have been that guy, or maybe even Steve Wilkes. If they decided to go the Steve Wilkes route, Richard was on his short list. I can't imagine that there was a connection to Reich at that point because Frank Reich hadn't even been interviewed when that had happened. So they wouldn't have already decided who his defensive coordinator was going to be. So all that is to say, I don't necessarily think that the Panthers are a guarantee to even offer a job right so like that might even be off the table but if you're the saints you really want to get that figured out now and the longer you go without without an announcement the more you do wonder in fairness the saints don't have to announce anything right like they could have already handled this internally and they don't have to announce it It, it's it doesn't necessarily benefit them in any way if you've already gotten a guarantee from Chris and you're just kind of working out the details. So we're kind of in limbo waiting, but I would wager a pretty significant guess that Chris Richard is going to be the full-time defensive coordinator on Dennis Allen's staff. And then the question becomes, who is the defensive line coach? Do you elevate someone? Do you move over Michael Hodges, maybe? And do you hire a linebackers coach? Do you elevate one of the defensive assistants? I don't know, but that's going to be the next question that the Saints have to answer one way or another. Now, this is already going to be a frustrating offseason for a lot of fans because they're not moving on from Pete Carmichael, or at least the Saints have decided that they are not going to fire Pete Carmichael. And, and the frustrating thing for me, and it's how I described it, when you were an offensive head coach, 
and you have a defensive coordinator, they are essentially the head coach of the defense. They are the rock star of the defense, if you will. The Saints are in a position where they have a defensive head coach in Dennis Allen, and I don't know what adjective you want to use to describe Pete Carmichael, but rock star is not it. So I still think that as you go through this offseason for the Saints, and I think a big part of it begins this week, you take a long look at Ronald Curry, you take a long look at some of your offensive assistants, and you weigh how you can shuffle that staff to invigorate this group in some way. Because the way things went down last year, I just don't see how you can run that back and be confident. At the end of the day, though, the offense is going to go wherever the next quarterback takes it. And right now, you don't know who that is. So we're going to get into a lot more of that in the next segment as we talk about at least one target that makes a lot of sense to me if you are scouting this week at the Senior Bowl. Now, obviously, the elephant in the room of all this Do you end up with a first-round pick this year or maybe another high second? I think those options are very much still on the table. The Cardinals have slow-played their head coach interview process very effectively. They made sure to hire their GM first, and I think they made a conscious effort to prioritize getting their new GM settled in. That's Monty for, And by doing that, they made sure that they're basically alone in this process. They're still scheduling interviews. The Cardinals, I believe, have scheduled four interviews since they interviewed Sean Payton. I think the Giants offensive coordinator, Mike Kafka, is the most recent. So there's obviously still a lot of balls in the air in that regard. Now, the Broncos, who kind of seemed like they were zeroing in on maybe D'Amico Ryans, maybe Dan Quinn, both of those guys are off the table. Sean Payton kind of weighed in on some kind of sketchy reporting on that there might be a power struggle within the Broncos organization. Sean said that wasn't the case. He said the interview went really well. He would say that regardless because, of course, she would. Like, even if the reporting was true, he would still refute it. So you do have to wonder. And I think that it's not unreasonable to to believe that Sean's desire to have a lot of control in the player scouting, in the roster construction, in the draft, is going to be a stumbling block in some of these head coaching interviews. There's no question that it's a lot to ask of a GM to hand over the keys to a lot of these processes. Now, the Saints were more than willing to do it. Mickey Loomis was more than willing to do it. Not every GM would be like that. And so that's where the question is. But the Broncos, in my opinion, and the I believe it'll be the 28th overall pick are very much on the table. The 49ers lost. So their pick is now slotted. And so you kind of have an idea. And I think now you'll start to see there was kind of an interesting subplot. And one of the reasons the Broncos search has taken this long, it was reported that they were taking another run at Jim Harbaugh who had already turned them down. He turned them down again. (laughs) So it doesn't sound like that's going to happen. And so now you're kind of going back around Now you're kind of circling the wagons again. And does Sean Payton kind of make a resurgence in this process? It's interesting. The Cardinals, you know, it sounds like that interview went well. I did see a lot of people saying, well, he was at the facility all day. Maybe that's a sign that things are going really well. And then he came out and he got in the team president's car. And so let me, let me just say that that means nothing. So NFL head coach interviews go forever. It is the process. You don't fly somebody in and give them an hour interview and say, oh, see ya. 
No, it's a it's a marathon process. I think when Eric Bieniemy interviewed with the Saints before last season, it was reported that it was like an eight hour interview. Like that's what they are. So all that means that it that he was at this Cardinals facility all day. All that means is that the Cardinals are giving him a real interview, right? If he was in there for an hour and then he left, then he would be like, okay, they're just giving him a you know a nominal interview. This is for PR purposes. This isn't real, but. It does seem like they are interviewing him for real. And the whole getting into the team president's car thing. Okay, so you have Sean Payton fly in for an interview. Are you expecting him to get an Uber from his hotel to the facility? No, the guy probably went and picked him up. And then the interview's over. He's bringing him back to his hotel. So I think we don't need to we don't need to lean in that much. But I do think that Sean is a very serious candidate for these positions. And if you're the Saints, this is kind of the last gasp here. Either he lands in one of these two jobs or maybe something crazy happens and Mike McCarthy ends up getting fired, whatever. You know, maybe when Washington gets sold, they move on from Ron Rivera and they bring him in. I don't know. Either way, those are long shots. These are the two best options available. And Sean did say on Sunday in analyst mode that he expects to know more and he expects more information to be out there by next week. And it would make sense for that to be the case because that is kind of the open week between the NFC Championship, AFC Championship, and Super Bowl. It's when a lot of stuff gets done. And so I think the Saints will know at some point this week. Now, they're going to be at the Senior Bowl. They're scouting players either way. And so it does kind of throw a wrench into things. And we're going to get into more of that in the second segment as I kind of go through the three main targets that I'm looking at in terms of scouting this week. Again, this is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak flying solo today. Make sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And we're back here on Inside Black and Gold out here in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer, and I'm out here to hang out at the Senior Bowl and come up with some ideas for who the Saints should draft. They always seem to draft somebody from out of here. So make sure to check out WWL.com for the latest content. The last piece I posted this morning kind of broke down the three players I'm watching the most closely, and that's leaning heavily on the fact that there are Saints position coaches out here coaching the tight ends, coaching the safeties, coaching the quarterbacks, and then offensive coordinator Ronald Curry. Practices run Tuesday through Thursday. The game is on Saturday. But anyone who covers the Senior Bowl regularly will tell you the action happens at practice. That's what you have to be there for. 
the game itself is obviously what you're here practicing for, but I do think that from a scouting perspective, a lot more gets learned during practice than it does during the game itself. All that said, the Saints have what I would argue is a pretty significant advantage for a team that does like to use the Senior Bowl as a major scouting tool. I asked Mickey Loomis why this team so often ends up with Senior Bowl players, and he basically said, like, it's not a box they check. You don't have to be at the Senior Bowl to get drafted by the Saints, but generally speaking, when you're scouting, the better you know a player, the more confident you are in in what you see and, and the development that you've seen from them and the skills and what you need to work on, the more you know, the more you tend to like a player, the more you have a roadmap for how that player can be successful. And so getting in there and taking a close look and working guys out is the only way you can really do that. So the Saints, I would argue, have a pretty significant advantage this week because this is the first year the Senior Bowl is kind of amalgamating its staff from across the NFL. Right, like the Saints don't have either head coach, right? That's going to be Patrick Graham and Luke Getze, but they do have the offensive coordinator for the national team. That's going to be Ronald Curry, the Saints quarterbacks coach. They also have three assistants coaching specific positions. That's going to be Declan Doyle. He's an offensive assistant for the Saints. He's going to be the tight ends coach for this game. They have DJ Moore, another offensive assistant for the Saints. He's going to be the quarterbacks coach. Corey Robinson is going to be the safeties coach. So when you're looking at a team that really wants to learn about players it's drafting, what better way to do that than being their position coach in one of the major scouting events that you use? All right, so I think I have teased enough where I'm going with this. And so I went through and identified my top three players, the players that I think fit the Saints the best based on the picks they have, which right now starts at number 40, and also the need for those positions. And also, hey, the coaches are going to be looking most closely at. And I think it's a pretty good indicator when you have your quarterback's coach leading the offense with another offensive assistant as the QB's coach that you should take a long look at the quarterbacks that are going to be under him. And that's who my number one target is here. You know, obviously Will Levis is in town and I'm sure the Saints would love to draft Will Levis. The problem is I don't think he's going to get out of the top 10 picks. And even if you're the Saints and you're looking at getting picks in the Sean Payton trade, you know, you're not going to be able to draft Will Levis at 28. Maybe you do. Maybe he's terrible at these events and he does fall to 28. But in that case, you probably don't want to scout him that closely anyway because you want to fool yourself into thinking he's better than what he showed that made him drop in the first place, right? So I'm not looking at Will Levis. If the Saints end up getting in an area where they think they can draft him, you're going to have opportunities. You're going to have a pro day. You're going to have a combine. So I'm not looking at him. The guy I'm looking at is Jaron Hall, BYU. He's 6'1", 205. Not exactly the the prototype quarterback size that you'd be looking for, but I think you can look past that in the modern NFL, right? Like the way teams operate now, you don't need to be 6'4", but you also don't want to be 5'10", right? Like I think that's the that's the middle ground is 6'1", between, you know, Kyler Murray is like 5'8", on a good day, like that's that's difficult. Russell Wilson, I argue, is five ten. That's difficult. There's a point where you can't see over your offensive line, and it's somewhere between six foot and five seven. Now six one two zero five, it's acceptable as long as you are mobile. You can escape and you can deliver the ball accurately off platform because that's what you're going to have to do at that height. 
you have to make up for the inability to kind of stand in and see over everything by being able to access different areas of the field. That's what Jaron Hall can do. In 2022, we completed 248 of 376 passes. It's about 66%, 3,171 yards, 31 touchdowns against six interceptions. He also carried the ball 86 times for 346 yards and three more touchdowns. So the dual threat ability that I, I would argue you have to have in today's NFL is there. Now, one of my big question marks with him is, does the kind of advanced age impact your view on how he can develop because anytime you're dealing with a BYU player, they're going to be a little older, right? It's the reason that Taysom Hill is on the wrong side of 30 already. And he's only been in the league for five years, right? So Jaron Hall is already 24 coming into the draft and declaring early, right? So if he's a guy who you're looking at and you're like, okay, he might be two years away, three years away, you're talking 26, 27 before he takes a snap as a starter. That's tough. That's a tough place to be. I mean, look at look at Jameis Winston. He's 29. He's been in the league forever. So it does give you a slight disadvantage, although I would argue that it's not as significant at quarterback as it would be at running back, wide receiver, where you're looking at more explosive type players. So I'm okay with it. And so if you're the Saints and you're looking at Jaron Hall, what I want to see this week, can he make quick decisions? Can he deliver the ball accurately off platform? Can he grasp an offense? Can he pick up the basic offense that you're going to be running at the Senior Bowl and ace it over the course of a week? If you can do that, then I feel a lot more confident because I think he is a guy who's probably going to be around at 71, maybe even 112, right? I think you could probably get him in the third round. You're not taking him at 40, but he's a guy who I think if you're trying to find a quarterback through the draft who could develop and be something, he's at the top of my list. I'm not saying the Saints are going to draft a quarterback. I would honestly bet that they don't. But if you're scouting a quarterback at the Senior Bowl, he is the guy. Now, one of the things I know people are going to say is what about Hendon Hooker? So Hendon Hooker is here, but he's not working out. He's here for interviews and all that, but he is still recovering from the knee injury, so he won't be doing any of the drills. So you're not really scouting him until later into the offseason. And hey, you draft Jaron Hall, then you can have the BYU brain trust at quarterback. It could be worse with him and Taysom Hill. The other quarterbacks I'll probably take a look at, Max Duggan, TCU, Malik Cunningham, Louisville. These will be very mid to late round prospects if you do end up drafting them, but hey, maybe they're guys you develop down the road. You talk about the BYU brain trust, maybe you draft Max Duggan, bring back Andy Dalton, you have the TCU brain trust. Heck, maybe you do both. And that, that would be one interesting training camp. You have TCU versus BYU. But I digress. Let's move on. The other position on offense that I think is really intriguing for the Saints to look at, and again, they have an offensive assistant coaching that position, is tight end. Now, I think one area the Saints have really lacked for a long time now, and it has held back this offense is having a tight end who has who is big enough to hold up as a blocker, to be an asset as a blocker, but also athletic enough to get downfield and stress the scene. Now, you might be saying, well, you know, we had Jawan Johnson. You might be saying, well, I really like Jawan Johnson. And, and I don't disagree with you. I actually really like Jawan Johnson too, but he is limited by his size as a blocker. You saw what happened when... The 49ers tried to block Hassan Reddick with a tight end early in that game. He ended that game. And it wasn't a dirty hit. He just got in clean and he took out Brock Purdy's elbow. And so you need that tight end to be able to block. You can't have 
an elite receiving tight end in those roles all the time if they cannot hold up one-on-one on a block. And so that's where you look at Luke Musgrave, and he's 6'6", 250. I think he has a lot of – his frame looks like he can accommodate a lot more weight. I bet he could get up to 260, 265 and really be a solid blocker. And to me, the comp isn't Jawan Johnson. I think you bring Jawan Johnson back, and he is an intriguing guy. And you can run a lot of two tight end sets, and he can be the move tight end. But the guy I look at is Jared Cook. This offense in 2019 was one of the best you've seen, and it was because Jared Cook was having an elite season. He got hurt late in the year, right? In the game, he had two touchdowns against for the 49ers. He, he got a concussion. I don't think he was ever the same after that. But this offense was moving, and it's because he opened up the middle of the field and made life a lot easier on Drew Brees. And you could say, hey, that's Drew Brees. But one way or another, you're going to have to have a tight end that helps your quarterback. And so, yeah, Luke Musgrave, Oregon State. Now, one of the reasons I think he might fall on boards is he only had 11 catches for 169 yards and a touchdown in the 2022 season. Now, bear in mind, he only played two games in the 2022 season. So for a two-game total, I'm not complaining about that, right? Those are some pretty elite numbers. You know, you look at the averages, you're talking five and a half catches, about 85 yards a game, not too shabby. He has a lot to like in his skill set. He moves like a wide receiver. He has excellent hands. He has excellent ball skills. Now, I'm not going to compare him to Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey is one of one, in my opinion, in terms of what he's been able to do over this long period in the NFL. But the way he moves at his size and his body type, they are similar. They are similar players, and he can do some of the same things. And I think if you're looking at a mid-round prospect who you can – expect to be a plus blocker you can expect to be an asset down the middle of the field and you can be a safety valve for whoever ends up being the quarterback for the saints i like this kid now there's a few other tight ends you can look at right you're talking about will mallory miami davis allen clemson cameron lotsu alabama you know so like their tight end might not be a position that the saints typically target at the senior bowl but again i think this is a year where you're gonna really look closely at those tight ends because you're going into year four, the final year of Adam Troutman. I think he has been a disappointment. I would be surprised if they bring him back. Juwan Johnson's a restricted free agent. I do think they bring him back, but I want to get somebody in who I can profile as that kind of do it all tight end down the road. And I think Luke Musgrave could be that guy. So he's a guy I'm watching closely. All right. One more target that I'm keeping a close eye on. And it's another position kind of role that I think the saints didn't have and it worked against them in the 2022 season. And that's kind of that center fielder at safety that you had with Marcus Williams, a guy who is elite at getting over the top, playing top down, picking off those kind of tips and overthrows. And not having that, I would argue, was a very big factor in why this team just couldn't force interceptions. Like that's where you get interceptions, is that role. And while I think Tyron Matthew had a good season, I've been on record saying that I I think Tyron Matthew played a lot better than a lot of fans would give him credit for. He's not that kind of typical center fielder cover safety that you want to at least have the option for, right? Marcus May, I don't, I think he's a strong safety. I think that signing is going to end up being a negative one down the road because I just don't think he, he's as versatile in that role as it might've sounded when they brought him in. I don't think he can cover the middle of the field. And so that's why I think if you're looking for a young safety, and that's what this team does, right? They don't pay safeties on that second contract. 
they bring back veterans, which maybe Von Bell is a guy you can bring back, but he, again, he's not a he's not a center fielder, you know. But they'll they'll draft safeties and they'll bring back veteran safeties, but they very rarely pay that second deal for a safety. We've seen it with Malcolm Jenkins, Kenny Vaccaro, C.J. Gardner Johnson, Marcus Williams, Von Bell. They let these guys walk. So you're, you are drafting safeties. And I think Christopher Smith out of Georgia, I think is really intriguing. Now he's 5'11", 195. I think he's a little slighter of frame than you'd want to see at the safety position. But 60 tackles, 43 solo, one forced fumble, one sack, three interceptions, five passes defense last season. Any Georgia player now has the luxury of being able to say you have a championship pedigree. And I do think that means something. I think being a winner means something in the NFL because winning is a skill in my opinion. It's a skill. It's a habit. It's what the Saints used to have. It's what they don't have right now. You need guys that show up expecting to win. And I don't think the Saints have enough of those guys. I really don't. And so I, I like him a lot. Um, if you remember his name, it might be because he's the guy who picked up that blocked field goal from LSU and returned it for a touchdown in the SEC championship. He also had another interception in that game. He also had an interception in that game. So, you know, awareness, ball skills, all there. So he's a guy I'm looking at. And again, you have Corey Robinson coaching the safeties. So he will get a close look at him. Some other safeties I'm going to be looking at. Jay Ward, LSU. Jordan Battle, safety, Alabama. You know, Jordan Battle's a guy who I think the Saints would love to bring in. But the question is whether they can get to him. You know, he's probably going to be a late first-round pick. But as we've seen in drafts, we saw this with Grant Delpit and Xavier McKinney two years back is safeties have a tendency to drop. You know, like I think everyone likes to value the safety position alongside cornerbacks in the buildup to the draft. But when all is said and done, safeties end up taking a backseat, just like running backs to some of the more skill oriented positions on the field. So, you know, there's a chance maybe Saints really like Jordan Battle and he does drop. Whether it's to 40 is another question. Do you have to trade up to try to get him? That's what the Saints did the last time. They didn't have a first-round pick when they got Eric McCoy. So that's going to be something to look at. But I'm going to operate under the assumption that the Saints aren't able to get to Jordan Battle or they don't view safety as a as a second-round, first-pick-of-the-draft type position. A couple other players, you know, and I think you mentioned him last week, wide receiver Trey Palmer. I think that he's a, he's a burner, and the Saints are going to be looking for a guy who they can bring in to take some of the workload off of Rashid Shaheed. I don't think you're bringing Deontay Hardy back. And Palmer's probably a guy that you can get as a UDFA. And I think that's the route you're going to go. You're not going to use a draft pick on a guy like that, but I think he's a guy who you're going to look at closely. And there's going to be a lot of guys you look at closely in that regard. And I think you're going to end up bringing in somebody. So I'm going to take a long look at him. Former LSU kid, really stood out at Nebraska. Okay, let's try this. Henry Toa Toa, linebacker, Alabama. Anytime you see an Alabama linebacker, you have to look closely because, you know, they've done their work and they they put them out. Andre Carter, edge rusher out of Army. Um, defensive lineman, Siaki Ike out of Baylor, interior defensive lineman. And then interior offensive lineman, John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota. Just has an offensive line name. And I think that's there's going to be two positions that you look at that the Saints did not draft last year that I think that they are going to draft this year in some some capacity is both sides of the interior line. I think you need defensive tackles. That was a position that you really struggled at last year. And I, you, you may lose David on him out of this offseason. And then guard, because I just don't think you can continue to rely on Andres Pete with his injury history at offensive line, which you feel like has been a strength for this team 
throughout the last several seasons. But by the time you get to week 14, week 15, you're looking at just this patchwork group. And, you know, that's a struggle for a lot of teams, but you got to have the depth and you got to have those players. And so I think that's going to be a position you look at. One thing we didn't mention in the first segment, with Ryan Nielsen in Atlanta, I think that that makes Kentavious Street, David Onyemata, Marcus Davenport, all high priority targets for the Falcons to potentially bring in. So, you know, you lose all three of those guys, you're going to have to replace them somehow. And you might be saying, well, yeah, Marcus Davenport, whatever. You know, you got to fill those snaps. So, you know, I think that's a position where you can probably get by and you're going to put Peyton Turner in a more featured role. I think you should be hoping to do that anyway. But the defensive interior, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to run Shaitel and Malcolm Roach out there? You're going to run two UDFAs out there and, and call it a day? I don't think you can. I think you have to invest more heavily at that position. But we're going to learn a lot more in the next couple days. I'm going to be out there at practice tomorrow and Wednesday. We're also going to hear from Ronald Curry and I believe Jeff Ireland. We don't know exactly when, but it should be either tomorrow or Wednesday for both of those guys. So we'll be coming back to you with that. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I appreciate it. It's going to be a fun few days. It always is at the Senior Bowl. That's why I love coming out here. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Noak. I'm going to be tweeting from all this stuff. Let me know if there's anyone you would like me to take a closer look at. Obviously, these are three players that I mentioned I'm going to be watching. But the Senior Bowl is also a situation where you're kind of just you're taking a wide view and you're seeing who pops. And so that's largely what I'm going to be doing for positions like running back, wide receiver, cornerback. When guys stand out and make you take sit up and take notice, that's what you want to see, and that's how you're going to do scouting. But we'll be back recording on Thursday with another episode, and I'll be on Sports Talk each in the next few days. It's going to be a lot of fun out here. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and who down.